Okay, it is now my really big privilege to welcome up an amazing minister that we have in the church um, who has been away in Australia for um, a little bit of time recently, for about a week, I think, and he is just here to share some of the testimonies that he has got. So let's stand to our feet and welcome up Des as he comes to speak. Awesome. How you going? You all good? Deb just said my glasses are amazing. <laughs> Breezy thinks they're horrible. I like them. You know, when I turned 50, I thought I need pink glasses. So here we go. Hey, uh, yeah, I've just been over in Aussie. It was amazing. We were doing a pre-awakening event with Daniel Hagen, who uh, ministered here. Daniel and Ben are putting on a stadium event in Brisbane. They've hired a stadium for September and we do these pre-awakening events. It's really awesome. And I'm actually off to Sydney with, uh, I'm taking my son Jaden. We're off to Sydney on Wednesday. Um, I'm over there for six days. So please keep breezy, my family, and your prayers because we really need it because when I go away, we get smashed. So family, please pray. Awesome. Right. So on the, on the Friday night, I was in a place called Toowoomba, and uh, it was incredible. There was 10 churches, local churches, come together for this event. And, uh, and, you know, we preached, and it was fun. And I did an altar call, and people started responding, and it was amazing. And, and I just saw this, this Indian lady who was down, down the back, and she was making her way down the front to the altar, but she had two ladies walking with her. So she's, she can hardly walk. She's, she's just like this. And these two ladies are on either side of her and they bring her down to the altar and uh, they, they put a seat on the altar for her because she's very unstable, can't really walk. And, and so she sits on the seat and, and I'm just preaching away, preaching away and I see her there. And as I walk past, one of the ladies said, she's a Buddhist. I said, oh, awesome, awesome. So I carry on preaching, carry on preaching. And I went over to her and I knelt down beside her and I said, Buddha will not save you. The truth is the truth. We've got to tell the truth. I think especially in 2024, it's the year of truth. Let's not water this thing down. And uh, here's, a, here's a little, uh, a little uh, photo someone took. So I said to her, Buddha won't save you. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. In the life, and as I started saying this, she starts shaking, like proper shaking. I thought, man, that's cool. Holy Ghost is all over her. And uh, and then as we carry on, I look at her, and she's just bawling her eyes out. You see, one kiss from the King changes everything. Doesn't matter what you've been trapped in for all those years. One kiss changes everything. And uh, so we we did this older call. And I just looked over as I was leading everyone in this prayer, and I looked over to her. She had her hands like this, still sitting on a chair, still shaking, receiving Jesus as her personal Savior. Isn't that beautiful? You see, because no one's that lost that they can't be found. And then, about 20 minutes later, over this side, I heard a big cheer, and I see that, that lady, I see her power walking across the altar, backwards and forwards, proper power walking, like legs up high, power walking, man. See, he saved her, then he healed her, because that's the gospel. 
That's the normality of the gospel. Maybe you're in here today. Today's your day. Don't leave this room today without giving your whole life to Jesus. And then on the, the Sunday, I was preaching down on the Gold Coast. And, uh, and I was preaching at this church. And, and it was super fun. Again, did an altar call. That's what we do. Evangelists, we do altar calls. Not just in churches. I do them on planes. Altar calls are awesome. And uh, the, these people responded. And then this young guy came up to me after the service. You see, this is the power of the seed. Every single born-again believer in this room, you're actually a seed scatterer. Every day, do, 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 scatter seeds, scatter seeds. And, uh, and he, he comes up to me and he goes, hey, bro, thank you so much. I said, mate, mate, it's Jesus, man. It's God. He loves you, bro. He goes, no, man, thank you so much. I said, what's your story, man? He said, well, today I got saved. I said, yeah, you did. Yeah, that's amazing. And I explained that all the angels in heaven are rejoicing, that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. He goes, do you know what blows my mind? I said, what's that? He said, five years ago, you were preaching on the Tweed Coast at a church, Elevation Church at a youth service, and you did an older call, and you were just about to end the older call, and you said, actually, stop. There's one more. There's one guy. Today, you need to get saved. He said, that guy was me. I walked out of that church and I've never forgot I missed my opportunity. I saw on social media, you see, maybe if we stop taking photos of cakes and cats and put Jesus on social media because he saw on social media that I was on, on the Gold Coast, he came along because he said, I'm not going to miss it this time. I'm going to get saved. Isn't that amazing? You see, being sent by this church, these are victories for us. This isn't a global gospel thing. This is a thrive thing, man. He is born again. He got so rocked because of the power of a seed. I'm really looking forward to preaching here in a couple of weeks. It gives us a couple of weeks to put seatbelts on on all the seats. It's going to be awesome. But that that weekend, they'll promote, that weekend that I come, invite your friends. Invite your friends that don't know Jesus. Let's see as many broken and lost people in the room that we can just throw out a net of hope. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Here you go, Glenn. Love you, man. Thanks, Stairs. Cheers. Thank you. Awesome. Wow. Man, it feels like we've got a three-course meal happening here today at Thrive, and it is wonderful to have you in the room with us if you're new or visiting here. I know Deb's already welcomed you, but it is wonderful to have you with us if you're here in the room or not in the room. (laughs) And online, a big hi to you guys as well. Um, I want to just, I'm going to do the second part of my message that I started last week, and so that's where we're going uh, this morning. If you haven't caught up with that, we've got, I think we've got a podcast that you can hook into, or you can open your Bible to uh, 1 Samuel 16 and just start reading the story of David. Um, I want to start today with a dream that I actually had. It must have been last week, actually still. It was just last week and um, while we are on on youth camp, actually. And in this dream, and I want to share this dream because it it felt like one of those significant dreams, and I want to use it as a bit of a metaphor. Um, In the dream, I was in a battle. And I was kind of like a uh, Lord of the Rings type character, maybe a little bit of um, Aragorn kind of crossed with an elf. I don't know, something pretty dynamic and handsome going on there. 
This is in the dream, right? And and it was and I was looking at it like I was watching Fortnite, like you know you're in first um, uh, first player kind of formation. And so I was in this dream, and we'd just finished a victory in the dream. We just it started with the uh, with a victory, and then suddenly another wave of the enemy actually came, and I knew that it was going to be a different strategy. And remember, this is all just dream, right? And one of the uh, warriors came running at me, like full on with an assignment to, uh, to take me out. And when I looked in his face, I saw that it was me. I saw that it was another version of who I was that was absolutely fixated on attacking me and really killing me. And so here's the next phase. I've never in my life had a dream that I could fly in. The earliest dream I remember, actually, I was being chased by Tyrannosaurus Rex, and I jumped off the bridge in Blenheim, and you know you have that horrible falling feeling? Is anyone like, ah! Or like you just step off a curb when you're walking, and suddenly you kick your wife in the bed, and it's like, whoa, whoops, sorry. I was just dreaming. And I'd, so I'd never flown. And, and, um, and, and so Aisha, she can fly in her dreams. She's got a really interesting way of flying as well. You could um, talk with her after the service how she flies in her dreams. So anyway, so I've never flown. But in this dream, suddenly I knew I could fly. Suddenly I knew that my, the way out of this attack that was coming at me was actually to rise above it. And so I began to will myself to fly in the dream. And so I, I rose up. I was flying in the dream. The, the, this other version of myself, he got out a net gun to shoot it at me to actually pull me down to his level. And I'd managed to evade it. And he was following. I was like, I've got to get over the, the, the forest and get high. And he was just tracking me the whole way with his net gun. And it got harder and harder for him to take me out the higher that I got. And the metaphor, I believe the lesson in this for me anyway, that the Lord was speaking to me about was that one of the greatest spiritual battles that we face is to actually rise above our old nature. It's to rise above those things that we struggle with in his life and we want to put ourselves in a corner of condemnation and just write ourselves off in that sort of space. But the Lord says those who wait on him, those who seek his face will rise on wings like eagles. And we're called to be a people that rise up. We're called in the season, I believe, to rise up like we've never risen up before, to rise above our fears, to rise above the limitations, to rise above our history, to rise above our self-consciousness. And uh, I had a picture in worship this morning, actually, of, uh, of some people here, uh, maybe, that had chains around their feet. And they, they weren't even tight. The chains were not tight chains. But you were trapped within these chains because it's just where you've always been. And I saw that the Lord wants to break you out of those chains. That you can actually just rise out of those chains as you fix your eyes and your vision upon Him. You know, our old nature, our old self, the carnal nature is always going to be an unhelpful guide that in seeks, to, to, seeks to snap us or to put us in a snare and trap us. That's why it says in Hebrews, throw off every weight <laughs> and the sin that entraps and can tangle and can trip you up and fix your eyes on Jesus. 
and run. Romans 12 verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, then, everyone say then. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, when we, now we're just going to jump into the story of David again. We're going to jump into his life and his narrative. And we learned last week that he had had a really challenging upbringing that he may have been brought into the world in sin, so to speak, as well, that his brothers had animosity towards him. And David had this challenging childhood that hadn't conformed him to a kind of pattern of the world, right? David had allowed the tests of his life to prepare him for the call of God that was on his life. I want to tell you, you know, there's any test and any pressure that you're facing in life is not out of the hand of God's grace to bring enabling power to actually cause that test to strengthen you, to encourage you, to cause you and call you to the person that you're meant to be, you know, in Christ, in the fullness of Christ. Nothing is wasted in the tests that you're facing today. You know, as, as David was shepherding his father's sheep, God was preparing him to shepherd a nation. And I, he was, I bet you he had to navigate pressure. I mean, he had to do away with a lion and a bear. You know, it's the pressures of the world that, that wants, you know, this is, the, this is the conformity. Do not conform to the pattern. The pressures of the world are the pattern. It's the pattern of the world. The pressures of the world around our finances, around our losses, around our conflicts, around our sexuality. The pre- what we do with those pressures will either qualify us or disqualify us from actually engaging with the call of God on our lives. And so David is at this point in his life where he's about to have a convergence type moment. And I've got this illustration up here of three rivers that are coming in. Really, and when you're thinking of convergence, what, what does that mean? It really means that actually this is a great illustration where there's three tributaries that are contributing to a greater river and a greater flow. And in our lives, we, we go through life and God brings these convergence moments to us where suddenly our gift is here, our character is ready And the call of God and the anointing is ready for this convergence moment where we're actually propelled into another level of grace for the assignment that God has for our lives. And this is that kind of moment. You know, Goliath is waiting out there and there's only one man called to take him down. And and God's looked at David's heart and and he's like, I see your heart, you're the man. And and it says this in, in one Samuel 16, the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. So this is a 
a new era that is actually upon Israel. It's a new time, it's a new season, a new king was required. The old era had passed away, and then so Samuel was actually sent out even in search of a spiritual son, sent out with a, with a commissioning to discover who would become king. There was this anointing that, and this oil was, you know, the, the horn was full of oil. It was sent out because there was something that, of this anointing that was, that the anointing was on assignment. The anointing was on assignment for this man, and Samuel was carrying this uh, this anointing, and he was carrying the presence of God, and he was carrying with him the commissioning for this call. It says this in Psalm 127, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you'll rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. That's a pretty discouraging psalm there, sorry. Except that it's the truth. And we need to let go, perhaps, some of us need to let go of the idea that if you just work harder, you'll become more fruitful. You know, I heard this recently, that being involved in worthless pursuits is like rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. You know, Jesus, he started the greatest movement in all of history that the world has ever known in only three years of being on assignment with the anointing to minister in three years. And he could only do this because he only did what he saw the Father doing. He sought out the Father. He sought out the Master Builder, not the pattern of this world. He was seeking the Father. He was seeking first the kingdom and, and his righteousness. And God was saying, oh, I'm going to add, <laughs> I'm going to add everything else, right? But if you seek first me, you're going to get the job done. You're going to be more fruitful than you could ever be on your own strength. And, it, you know, it wasn't Samuel's good idea that led him to David. Samuel was doing the father's business, and he turned up that day to meet Jesse's sons, right? And the Lord said to Samuel, uh, this is a little bit awkward. I know that he's gone and got the seven sons, but someone's, someone's missing. And Jesse's like, oh, yeah, David, the youngest one, he's out looking after the sheep. See, Jesse would be like, no, he's in his corner where he needs to be. And God would say, no, 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 he doesn't belong in the corner. <laughs> he's, one of the, he's at least one of the sons. And Samuel said to him, in 1 Samuel 16, 11, send for him. Send for him. In fact, we're not going to sit down until he arrives. So no one is sitting down until David is in the room. Remove the chairs. Take the lazy boy away. There's no, no seats. 
And you've got to remember that phone reception at that time was poor in Bethlehem. They, they had to get out of the room. They had to go, he's somewhere, the sheep are somewhere in the hills, right? They've got to go looking for da- David. David, where are you? I can't sit down until I find you. <laughs> See, Samuel was so resolute in regards to his assignment in this moment. No, no one's going anywhere until I complete my father's business to commission and to anoint David. Samuel wasn't there to play church and rearrange the chairs. He was like, let's get rid of the chairs. <laughs> There was this great urgency that Samuel was carrying to discover and anoint David because this is a convergence moment, right? Everything is ready. Everything, time has happened. Call, anointing, grace. We just need David. Where is he? David. Goliath's waiting for you. (laughs) And unless David stood up and showed up, there would be a David-shaped hole. It was David's prepared heart that the Lord was seeking. The kingdom needed David and anointing that he would carry. The kingdom needs you and the anointing that you carry. The world needs you and the anointing that you'll carry. The Goliaths, the mountains that are in your way, needs the anointing that you carry. You're on assignment. You're on assignment. You've been commissioned. You've been commissioned. You've been commissioned by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the highest of high priests. Jesus Christ has poured out his anointing on you and said, there's an assignment. There's a call. There's a cause. There's a purpose for your life. We're not going to sit around. We're not, going to, we're, not going to, we're not just going to kind of pass time here. We're going to search out that person. We're going to search out that assignment. We want to release, and we want to do this today. We, want to, we don't want to sit down at the end of the service and just kind of go off and have a nice lunch. We want to release the anointing. We want to release assignments and commissionings and the power of the Holy Ghost in your life to see breakthrough, and we believe in this building, man. There is anointed people here already. There are people here that are gifted and called to go into their their high schools, to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ, to go into your business places, to bring hope, to bring the, the freedom and the call and the grace and the gift. There are leaders, there are preachers, there are business people here that need the anointing. Toil be broken in Jesus' name off your business. Come on. Jesus dealt with that at the cross. It's time to sit at his feet and hear what the Father is saying in this season and hear the commissioning that He's bringing to each one of our lives. It is the anointing that fuses our, our identity with the call of God on our lives. This quote, I read this quote from Timothy Keller this week, if there is a God, you owe Him far more than a morally decent life. So David was found and he was brought in and See, then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He's the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the presence of his brothers. <laughs> I like that. 
His brothers needed to see this. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. As that oil flowed, David's true identity was revealed, the commissioning as a future king. And once this anointing came on David, he stepped into this next chapter of his purpose. And under that anointing, he brought down Goliath. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ means anointing. The anointing of Christ in you is the hope of glory. The Bible says the first person filled with the anointing, filled with the Holy Spirit, was a chap called Bezalel, who was an artist. He was then commissioned to, to create incredible art for the temple. He started doing things that he had never done before because the anointing and the oil was upon his life. The, the Spirit of God was in his life. When you think of Adam, Adam, he was made from dust. He was a form of God. He was just a form. He was just a form. He was just a form, but then God breathed in the Ruach. The breath of God filled his life. The Spirit of God filled the form, and suddenly he was really created in the image of God. He became a life-breathing spirit. Without the Spirit of God, we're nothing but a form of godliness, maybe. <laughs> we, can't, we can't function in the fullness of who we're called to be without the presence and the Spirit of God on our lives. You know, if our body is primarily a temple of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is in a present part of who we are, then a part of who we are is missing. We need the Holy Spirit. We need Him. Romans 8, 6, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor it can do so. For those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You know, when, when our flesh is a master, we're being hostile to ourselves. Like, like in my dream that I shared earlier, that this, this flesh that could have been, this, my, myself that could have been captured by that fleshly version of who I was, I would have been trapped with that and brought down to his level. We can't serve our flesh and serve the spirit at the same time. It says in Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. I just love that. It's just like, let's just go there. That's uh, the New Living Translation, by the way. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like a bit of an in-your-face, don't get drunk. It's a, it's a bit of a, like, there you go. But then there's a positive command. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled is also a command. It's not a suggestion. Which It's something that we either respond to or reject. We can't be filled with the Spirit and then be serving the desires of the flesh. The mind governed by the Spirit is a mind that embraces the fullness of life and peace, the fullness of our destiny, call, and anointing. And you can't do both. <laughs> everything else is because Jesus loves you, and everything else but His love is actually just a substitute for the real thing. And He wants you to step into the fullness of what He has for you life for your life, sorry. God has different anointings for different people. And the anointing that Bezalel, the artist, had 
and the expression that he gave from that anointing, it was different from, you know, the warrior prophet Deborah. She had a different kind of anointing. It's different from the anointing of Apostle Paul. Same God, different expression, fused with the grace and the gift and the call and the, and the great things from the, the history of your life coming together and bringing an expression of the kingdom, a fullness to your identity, a fullness with the oil of God on your life. You know, Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Today, today, fresh oil. <laughs> fresh oil, fresh, fresh wind. The fresh breath of heaven is waiting to be poured out, poured out. And we saw this. We saw this at youth camp. We saw this. <laughs> We saw like just everyone sitting there or worshipping there actually. And then suddenly, no one's saying, this is about to happen. Suddenly, things started happening. The Holy Spirit just came. Came into the room and today, He is here. And maybe you felt like David, you've been kind of pushed to the corner, not included, not in the room He's calling you to stand up, to stand out, to come forward, to receive the commissioning and the oil, the presence of God, the power of the Holy Ghost. And maybe today the Holy Spirit is drawing someone out of isolation. I just want to go back to something I've missed here. We're just about coming into land. Something else about anointing. Actually, there's three things that we want to just kind of give an opportunity to respond to this morning, or probably four, because the gospel of Jesus Christ, as Daz has already indicated, if you don't know Jesus and you are in the room, today he wants to meet you. Today he wants to encounter your life, and it is a day to say yes to him it's a day to say yes to him that's number one number two the anointing is here to break chains and yokes the anointing breaks yokes and um, shepherds in, in the Old Testament, probably in the New Testament as well, they used to get oil and they used to place it on sheep around their eyes, around their ears, around their mouths so that flies couldn't land on them. Flies, well, they might land, but they'd slide right off. And it's a beautiful illustration of what the oil of the Holy Ghost does as He comes upon our lives, as the anointing comes upon our lives, that, that our eye gates, our ear gates, our mouths become anointed to hear and to speak and to see what the Spirit of God is saying. So that's a good thing to respond. For. If you need healing in your body, that's you. Let the oil of gladness, the oil of the anointing of healing come upon you. The other thing really to, to respond to today is this is a day of commissioning. As Samuel filled that horn with oil and he went out in search 
of a man that that oil was intended for and signed for. God has got an assignment and a commissioning for your life here today. And maybe you don't know what that is, but you just want to say yes. You just want to say yes to that. Or maybe you know what that is and you're like, I need that. I need that. Let's just stand right now.